Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachna. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour. And today is Wednesday, November 22nd, 2023. As always, we're grateful to everyone who's joining us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives, as we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people and using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered. These tools are available absolutely free through the tireless efforts of Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice on the website at whyagain.org. If you go to that website and click on the two words that say start here in the upper left-hand corner, it will take you to a page where you can download and read Chapter 24 of Dr. Michael Rice's book. His book is titled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? And that chapter of the book contains a narrative description and explanation of the primary tool in this work. That tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. And it's a tool I've been using to great effect for over 19 years now to improve the quality of my life and most of my relationships and to turn any negative emotional experience I have into part of the infallible guidance system that each and every one of us has been given. You can also download the actual worksheet process itself. It's a simple PDF file. Click the link, download it, print it off, copy it as often as you like, and use it over and over again, absolutely free. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words, Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness. And if you choose to do that, before you're done typing the word forgiveness, you'll see the glowing heart icon. If you tap on that, it will let you download a completely free and private app that contains the Reality Management Worksheet. It contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process, and it contains a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. And we hope people do all of that soon and often, primarily because it tends to improve the quality of people's lives the more they do that. Secondarily, because it tends to prompt comments, questions, answers, and testimonials. And if you have any of those to share with us, please do so. Give us a call at 563-999-3581 and press 1 on your phone. Or send us an email. You can email me at tjh at mindshifters-academy.org. Or you can email genie at j-e-a-n-i-e at whyagain.org. That's W-H-Y-A-G-A-I-N dot O-R-G. And if we get a comment or a question from you, we'll address it on the Internet show and then, as time allows, send you a notification about what day and time that occurred so you can listen back to the archives 
for your feedback or input. We appreciate whenever anybody does that, whether you're emailing or calling with a comment or a question, because it makes it far easier for us to live into our intention with this work. The intention we have with this work is to be a service, and that's just a whole lot easier to do when we know how these are, these episodes, shows, readings, discussions, how they're landing for you, and um, what might be of greater service to you in terms of learning how to use and get maximum benefit from these tools. We've also been reading The Way of Mastery this past few weeks, and um, we'll probably get back to reading some of that today if there isn't a, a comment or a question that we can address for somebody before we get into the reading. Um, Normally we'd say, okay, this is a Wednesday, or and yeah, there will be a Thursday it's a support group tomorrow, but since it's the holiday, there will not be a support group tomorrow. We'll get back on schedule next week, but for this week, um, the support group last night is all we're offering, and um, it, it's still to be decided whether tomorrow is a best of or a live show. That all depends on how the day unfolds, and... Um, so we hope everyone is having uh, smooth functioning for their plans for the holiday uh, extended weekend beginning tomorrow and um, and that you have access to these tools because most people have it, either they're having direct contact with family, which of course is one of the most uh, efficient ways to resonate the things that are less than love that we carry around in our energy system. And um, some people have all of that stuff resonated in them, with them, for them, because they don't have family to go to. And they have these goals that they've had most of their life where they just wanted to have a family and um, have support and have children and have, you know, lovely holidays, and it's not panned out that way. And if you're one of those people, um, we highly recommend the use of the tool, the Reality Management Worksheet, in which you figure out what your goal is and you cancel it. You identify the emotion and the thought you're using to create that emotion and then you cancel that goal and you get access to the hidden part of your mind that's actually responsible for creating this upset. It isn't about the holiday. It isn't about family or friends being there or not being there for you. It's always an inside job. And the good news with that is, since it's an inside job, I've got full access to whatever it would take for me to be able to unravel it. So... If you're in a position where you've noticed, oh, the holidays are coming and I have lots of emotions about this, that'd be a great call. How can we support you in constructing or actually working through a worksheet? Or perhaps framing out some worksheets that you can do at a later date on your own. 
the um, the the power of the family of origin to resonate issues for me is um, it's hard to overstate. I remember Stuart Wilde, uh, one of his books I read years ago, where he said, um, you know, the interesting thing is that if you start writing any kind of books about spirituality, before long people start coming up to you to tell you how their guru is so enlightened. And he said, in the book he said, I got so tired of people trying to tell me that their guru was enlightened that I just would extend the invitation to them. I would say, okay, if you think your guru is enlightened, then let's get your guru and we'll go to his family of origin and live there for a week and then we'll see who's enlightened. Because the power of the associations, the energies that I downloaded in my family of origin, the power that has to resonate those things that are less than love in my energy system really can't be overstated. And it doesn't really matter how well-intentioned I am, how much I practice loving thoughts. Um, If I have that woundedness in me and I have any kind of a situation come up where my interpretation of it is related to that woundedness in me, the vibrational energies kick in and I begin having an experience that's not what I want. It just works this way. This is our lives. We are energy beings. We're in an energy universe. And so if we don't like what we're feeling, we can rest assured it's because we have that energy in us. And if we are awakened to the these kinds of tools and this kind of an awareness, we can literally begin working with those energies, changing them, changing what they mean for us, and changing the impact that gets expressed in us, through us, in response to the interpretations we've chosen and placed on the life events that we're experiencing. So if you're in one of those situations where you're looking forward to the holidays and yet you know you're going to get triggered, you're going to choose interpretations that resonate old stuff, you've been through it dozens of times before and you know it's going to happen again, we'd be happy to support you in framing out the worksheet process or the targeted journaling that will assist you in unpacking the baggage before it gets resonated. So so the call-in number is 563-999-3581. If you call that number and press 1, we can have a conversation. And in lieu of people pressing 1 and asking a question or making a comment or asking for support in framing out a worksheet, 
I'll return to the reading of the third lesson in the way of mastery. And where we left off yesterday was the very direct repetition of the observation that only love can heal. And so even though the book says please don't take judgment lightly it also says once you recognize that you've been in judgment just breathe and soften and say ah yes that is that energy I recognize that cloud that's just passed through the field of my awareness but I can choose again So how does it work? Well, if in your ordinary daily life that we now know is nothing like ordinary, it's a miracle every day. It's the perfect school for you to be in to guide you home. But if you detect that you've been in judgment of someone or something, recognize that that judgment is still with you. It is a present thing. If it's in your awareness, it's a present thing, even though you may have enacted it five minutes ago or 55 years ago or even 10 lifetimes ago. When you notice it or bring awareness to it, you have made it a very present thing. So it's right there in front of you to be undone. And that is what you need to focus on. Here it is. I have this thought, I have this guilt, I have this shame, I have this negative judgment against myself for what I did or what I'm thinking or doing now. And then I simply say, I'm going to choose again. The text reads, You know the experience of looking back in life and suddenly seeing a scene which... Now you know you behaved selfishly and from ego and that you were manipulative or cunning or hurtful. Or you recognize, oh my God, I was really in judgment of that person. If only I could go back and undo it. Do you know that feeling? I say unto you that you can go back and undo it because everything is present there is no such thing as past and future there is only this now moment so when you have that thought or memory it's coming to you for a very specific reason as a soul you're learning about forgiveness and you're learning about how to undo the effects of your previous choices And so it's being presented to you yet again so that you might make a new choice. When the old memory comes, stay with it. Look at it. Recognize how judgment worked at that time. And then say to that person or event, 
in your mind, I judge you not. I extend forgiveness to myself for what I have created. In other words, I dismantle the negative perceptions that I created. I embrace you and I love you. I free you to be yourself without my projections poured on top of you. I extend my true nature to you. I see your true nature as love. And I bless you with the blessing of Christ. Then, once you've said that inside your mind, then say that you watch the image or that memory begin to gently dissolve into light until there is no trace of it left, and then be done with it. Now, right away, the intellect, the mind might say, but when I kicked that little boy in the shins when I was four years old just to watch him scream, well, he's not here now. Well, isn't he? The body is not here, but the body is not quite the soul. All minds are joined. It means that where you extend forgiveness within consciousness, within your emotional field to another, whether they're physically present or not, you're extending that to them and doing exactly what you could extend to them if they were physically right in front of you. It's the same thing. Even if they were right in front of you, they would still have to receive it. They'll still have their own choice to make about whether or not to accept the energy of forgiveness and dismantling false beliefs and willing to see themselves as their true nature as love and willing to see you as their true as your true nature as love. They have that choice to make too. Or they could hold a judgment against you. They could hold bitterness and resentment. They could refuse to see you as innocent. And they could refuse to see you as the energy of creation expressing in form. That would be their issue, not yours. Understand then that you are dealing with consciousness. You are not a physical being. You are spirit. And you're intimately linked with all minds at all times. Therefore, forgiveness of another can occur any time you decide it can occur. Your ability to dismantle your negative judgments and your false perceptions of another person can happen at any moment that you decide you want to do it. Anyone that you have ever believed was has wronged you can be forgiven or you can dismantle that false perception of them as having done something bad to you you can do that this very moment any time you have judged another and therefore been in judgment of yourself you can undo that in this very present moment simply by making a different choice and remember that's all forgiveness is is dismantling the false judgment and perception and withdrawing your attention from it, withdrawing your identification with it, and in that instant it loses its power to shape your perception and your experience of the other person and of your own life. 
So we have several people who have gone through this book, especially this third lesson, and they've seen this last few paragraphs and this process as a way to do forgiveness in their own mind. So I'm going to review this again because the idea is every time I have a negative thought, a memory of something in the past that I'm in judgment of, and I'm not able to do what it asked me to do or invited me to do in the promise before we actually even get into the lessons, where the promise says, please, put down, put away everything you think you know. Come to this work with that not knowing empty-headedness. So put down everything you think you know, and then put away, put down, drop everything you think you need and want and thirdly find a way to look lovingly on every place that fear or any of the other stepchildren of fear hostility anger guilt shame judgment humiliation has made a home in your mind to look lovingly upon whatever you've done in the past that's the third part of the promise and if you do that the correction the healing the awaken awakening to awakening from the dream of separation will occur so here we are in the third lesson and it says if a negative memory comes to your mind it's coming for a very specific reason. And it's awake, it's aware, it's alive for you in this moment that you're thinking of it. You can undo your judgments. You can dismantle your false perceptions. You can release another from the projections you've been placing on your images of them. There is no such thing as past and future. There's only the now moment. So when you have a thought or a memory, it's coming to you for a very specific reason. What's that reason? As a soul, you're currently learning about how to dismantle your judgments and your false perceptions. You're learning about this process they call forgiveness in this book. And you're learning how to undo the effects of your previous choices. So any negative memory that comes to you is being presented to you again so that you might make a new choice. And when that old memory comes, stay with it. Don't run from it. Catch yourself if you're shuddering in embarrassment or shame or guilt or fear. Stay with it. Look right at it, breathe, soften, let it wash over you, and recognize how judgment worked at that time. And then say to that person in your mind or that event that's coming to, to mind, say, quote, I judge you not. I extend forgiveness or the dismantling of all judgments to myself for what I have created as judgments 
about you or about the situation. I embrace you and I extend the energy of love to you. I extend my true nature to you and I embrace you as your true nature as love. And I free you to be yourself without my judgments, without my labeling, without my constricted thoughts. And I bless you with the blessing of Christ. Then once you've said that in your mind, then see the image or the memory begin to gently dissolve into the light until there's no trace left. And then let yourself be done with it. If it comes up again, repeat the process and understand that it's just a faint echo of a memory. And then watch what your mind says. If you're like a lot of people, your mind might say, well, wait a minute. I can't go back and undo what I did in the past. I can't you know, make that little boy feel better that I bullied when I was younger. He's not here. And the book says, listen, all minds are joined. His body may not be here, but his soul is available to feel the change in the energy. All minds are joined. It means that wherever you extend this process of dismantling false perceptions that this book calls forgiveness, and wherever you do that within consciousness, within your emotional field to another, whether they're physically in front of you or not, you are extending to them exactly what you could extend to them if they were in front of you. The powerful thing is that you change your mind energy, this creative force. You make a correction within yourself. You dismantle your negative judgments against yourself and the other, and that's where the creative energy is sourced, and that's the big change that can happen. And even if they were right there in front of you, they would still have their choice to make. Will they acknowledge the fact that you're now seeing them as their true nature, as, as love, as the creative energy expressing in form? Will they learn to see themselves through that filter? Will they give up their own negative judgment? Or will they hold on to it or create others? That's their choice to make, not yours. So understand then that you're dealing with consciousness. You're not a physical being. You are spirit. And you're intimately linked with all minds at all times. Therefore, forgiveness of another can occur any time that you decide it can occur. Anyone you've ever believed has wronged you can be forgiven by you in this very moment because you have access to dismantle the negative judgments you're holding on to and that's what forgiveness is and you can undo that in this very present moment simply by making a different choice the next section is titled one of the key lines for me in this book, especially in this third chapter, reactivity indicates the need for self-forgiveness. 
any any tension, any negative reactivity in me at any level indicates my need to dismantle my negative judgments and my false perceptions. It is the alarm signal telling me my thinking, my judgments, my conclusions are off the mark. Any reactivity indicates I'm in error. And the text reads, Rest assured, you will continue to project upon others what remains unhealed and unforgiven or undismantled within yourself. Each time you react to another, you're being given a sign that there is some kind of energy that has been presented to your awareness that you have not forgiven within yourself. You've not seen the truth of it. You've not dismantled the false perception. You've not chosen an interpretation of it that allows you to stay wide open. If you're reacting, if you're in tension or any of the negative emotions, you are not seeing clearly. The text goes on and says, if someone is critical and then you react every time they are critical, rest assured, you have not healed that part of your own being, that part of your own experience of being critical of others. You are still judging yourself negatively for being critical of others. If you generate a negative response when you think somebody else is being critical, it means you are holding a negative judgment against yourself that's getting resonated. Whether it is occurring now or whether it seems to be a pattern that you interrupted and you no longer do, it's still something that you're not dismantling about your own negative judgments of yourself. You still have not forgiven yourself for having identified with that energy. The text reads, use your ordinary experience in each day to observe what pushes your buttons. We will give you a very simple technique for doing so. If you stay with it, it will reveal to you the energies that are in need of your forgiveness or your dismantling. The technique is quite simple. As you go through your day, observe when you feel as though you are in contraction. Are the muscles of your body getting tight? Is the breath very shallow? Does your voice become faster or louder when you speak about some energy in someone else? That is a sign that you need to do healing within yourself. You need to dismantle negative judgments against yourself that you're carrying with you. When you recognize that these kinds of signs are going on, in other words, life has presented you with an opportunity to be disturbed, that is a sign that there is something that requires healing. Therefore, count it a blessing if you feel disturbed. Ah, this is the answer to my prayer. I 
prayed that I want to go home. I prayed that I want to know the Creator. I prayed that I wanted to be enlightened. Every time I resonate a disturbance, my experience is that of being disturbed inside. That is an opportunity. That is a blessing. That is a healing opportunity being presented to me. The next section is titled, Healing Exercise. And the text reads, Turn your awareness from what you think is causing the disturbance and remember the first axiom. Quote, I am the source of my experience. I'm feeling disturbed. What is it in me that needs to be healed? Close quotes. It's recommended that you begin to breathe deeply and rhythmically, that you let the body soften and relax, and then ask, what is it within this person's energy that's really causing my reaction? You'll see it right away. Oh, they're so critical. Criticism pushes my buttons. And then ask yourself, when have I done that to another? Where have I been critical of others? And I'm still judging myself negatively for it, or there wouldn't be reactivity. There wouldn't be upset. The text says, and then you might say right away, it might hit you, oh, wait a minute, I'm being critical because they're being critical. Or maybe memories will come back distasteful memories if you're still judging them let them come back continue to breathe and relax this is critical this is why michael rice has this all over his worksheet take a breath breathe breathe and relax why because when i breathe and relax i soften and i open when i soften and i open i i allow healing to occur i allow life force energy to move through me and create healing this energy system wants to be healed it wants to be in balance it wants to return to its source so continue to breathe and relax look upon that energy of being critical honor it love it for it is a creation. It is one of your creations coming back to you that you might embrace it and transform it. This is what is asked of us in the promise. It says, drop everything you think you know, put down everything you think you need or want, and the third thing is, look lovingly upon every place that fear has made a home in your mind or jealousy or judgment and negativity oh look at that this person's being very critical I remember times when I've been critical and I really wish I hadn't done that 
I saw the pain. I saw the, the ache in, in my brother or sister's eyes. I saw the disruption it caused. I wish I hadn't done that in the past. And yet, I've done that a lot. I know that energy. That's an interesting cloud passing through the sky of my awareness. I'm going to honor it. I'm going to extend the energy of creation to it. I'm going to see it as a creation, and I'm going to say, I wonder if I can choose differently. I would rather have a different experience of myself. I want to drop the judgment. I want to drop the negative perception of myself. Yes, I've been critical. I can be very critical. I've been that way in the past. I know that energy very well. And then you can look upon that scene from the past where you've been the one being critical. Look at it with deep honesty and deep sincerity and say to yourself, I dismantle my judgments of myself for being critical. I use the process of forgiveness to dismantle that judgment and all the negative perceptions I generated from it. I dismantle my judgment of myself and I choose to teach only love in this moment. A little bit later on, they specifically tell us, what does it mean to teach only love? That means I share only my loving thoughts. And then I can watch that image dissolve and disappear from my mind. I can bring my awareness back to the present moment and that person that I thought was pushing my buttons. Again, you do not need to say anything to them, although you might. It's okay either way. But within yourself, you dismantle the judgment of them for allowing the energy of being critical to temporarily make a home in their mind. Hey, that's what Guy Finley says. Hey, you know, you know what gets easier and easier? When you wake up to realize that you can't stop yourself from doing the very thing that you think you're upset at somebody else for doing, that's when compassion enters your mind. You don't have to work at being compassionate. You just have to wake up and see that we are all the same. None of us are perfect. Every one of us has done things we later regret. And we hold that negative judgment energy about it's all the same. But within yourself, you might forgive them, dismantle your judgment of them for allowing the energy of being critical to temporarily make a home in their mind. And you merely ask the Holy Spirit to replace your perception, your distorted perception, your negative judgment of them, replace it with the truth. Will you please, Ruka, Holy Spirit, God, light, love, Show me the truth of my brother or sister. Help me see the shimmering radiance of energy expressing through them underneath all of my judgments and my distorted perceptions. And I can ask to see the innocent light within them. If you do this, as you practice this, as you cultivate this, you'll become very, very good at it. And you'll be able to do it as fast as the time it takes to snap your fingers. And once you begin to see the light in them, you can ask the Holy Spirit, so what is this critical energy in them masking or coloring or hiding? What are they really crying out for? When you've done this and you've successfully dismantled your judgment of them, 
you will feel compassion. For it will be revealed to you why they are hurting inside. And lo and behold, instead of being reactionary toward them, you might just be compassionate. Your choice of words and your own behavior might turn out to be different than you could ever have imagined. For through you will flow exactly what serves them. The text goes on and says, When I was being nailed to the cross, there was one who raised the mallet to strike the nail. As he raised the mallet, his eyes met mine for just a moment. At that time, I did exactly what I have described to you. By that time, I had mastered this, so it was done very quickly. I asked myself, how have I ever wanted to drive a nail through someone else? And I remembered my murderous thoughts. I dismantled the negative judgments against myself. I forgave myself for that process, and I brought my attention back to the one in front of me. And I asked only to see the light in him. And I asked, what is it that this action is mirroring to me? And what is it masking within him? In that moment, I saw that one's soul. And I loved that one's soul. I felt compassion for that one. And in that moment, mark my words, in that moment of eye contact, that person got it. Because my energy was different, it created a space in which that soul could make a new choice. That soul saw suddenly the entirety of its own experience, and it realized that if it allowed that mallet to fall upon the nail, it would be a decision to choose to continue being nothing more than a doormat for other people's perceptions. And in that very instant, that soul decided to follow a path that would lead to sovereign mastery and never again be a pawn of any government or any group or any faction or anyone. He dropped the mallet from his hand. This was a Roman soldier. He stood up and walked away and disappeared. That one, that person, that soul, that consciousness has gone on to become a master that is known by literally thousands of beings. He is no longer in physical form. This one visits many and teaches many. This one, indeed, incarnated perfect mastery and therefore transcended the world. And it all began as the result of my desire to teach only love. Now that other soul, that other spark of consciousness and I, we have a very good friendship. So you see, you may not know how powerful your choice for healing is. You may not really see how deeply and profoundly it will affect you as you go on being a creator. And you go on forever. Your soul 
your consciousness never dies. And you could never possibly know what fruits will be born from that tree, the tree of your own choosing, and what might happen in the life of another. And yet, because all minds are joined, when you choose healing through forgiveness and dismantling negative judgments and false perceptions, you literally create the space in which the other can also heal their life far more easily. It's Michael Rice talks about, it's like throwing an energetic door open, wide open. It's easier for people to get through. They still have to make their own choice. It's not you healing them or saving them. It's you changing your own energy. It's you using the power of your conscious awareness to create positivity, loving, compassionate, energies so the text goes on and says let no moment then be wasted see nothing as ordinary and see not the perceptions taught to you of the world being justified within yourself don't buy the negativity the comparison Guy Finley says, the vast majority of your conscious logical suffering and psychological suffering is the bitter fruit of a comparative life. There's an age-old quote that says, competition, comparison, judgment is the death of joy. Don't buy into what your family and your culture has taught you. But be wholly committed to rooting up out of yourself and of your being, anything that is unlike the love of Christ, capital L, love of Christ. Think not that I, Yeshua, am the only one that can love this way. It's not true. You are here to love as I learned to love. Why do I say that? Because you are that love, capital L, love. Everything else is is just a smokescreen. Now you might now you might get a little in, insight into where did I come up with the phrase that I, I close my blog posts with and I close the internet shows with. You come from love, you're made of love, you are love, everything else is false. It, it comes out of countless repetitions of this teaching. Don't think that anybody else has the capacity to love and extend love better than you. Even Yeshua can't do it any better than you. You are here to learn to love as Yeshua learned to love. Why do we say that? Because you are that energy of love extending in form. And everything else is a smokescreen. Forgiveness, this dismantling of false negative perceptions, is necessary. It is a skill and an art that will pay you dividend upon dividend upon dividend upon dividend. It will never cease paying you. Each moment in which you choose to dismantle a negative false perception, 
you have literally saved yourself a thousand years of suffering. I mean that about as literally as anyone can mean it. In short, every act of dismantling a negative perception, every act of forgiveness is a miracle that shortens the need for your experience in this dimension. When you find yourself in a situation that you believe is too big, rest assured it is because something big has finally come to the surface to be healed within you so that more power can shine forth through you. Why? Because you've reached the place where you're ready for it. More of Christ can be lived. So, ending your day. Last section in this third lesson. Ending your day. Six one zero. Hi, Dr. Tim. Question. You just read something, and I, do, I don't remember the words. Something about preparing yourself to do this. Or it's only a couple of sentences back, but I have a question related to that about Jesus. And maybe it doesn't matter if you don't find it. My question is, um, he went into the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he was crucified. And he, when he, by the time he was on the cross, he absolutely was able to do what he's telling us we can do. But the night before, something else was going on. It, was he preparing himself to be the Christ on the cross I have no idea. I have no idea. And what you're talking about is stories about something that ostensibly happened over 2,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. So, so I don't know how, even if I did have the answer to this, it would make a difference in your life and what you need to do today to be mm-hmm. dismantling your negative judgments. Yeah, is, 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 is there a way that, that, that if we had the answer to this, it would make a significant difference in what you do later on today or tomorrow? No, and I realized I, I got the idea that I had to go through a Garden of Gethsemane experience in order to be able to be the loving, totally open, forgiving, allowing person that Jesus ended up well, able well, to be. Well, drop that. Drop that thought, because okay. this book says this book says it several times before you get through it. You do not have to crucify yourself the way Yeshua had the crucifixion. He says, by the way, what you do to yourself with your worry and your anxiety is a million times worse than what he went through that afternoon on the cross. You do not have to suffer the way you create your suffering. That's why a teaching like this has value. This is not just, here's a hunk of wood, bite down on it as we go to do surgery on you without anesthesia. This is not, that's not the message. The message here is 
you create your own suffering by blocking yourself from seeing your true nature as love. And when you are willing to drop the judgments, drop the thoughts that generate the fear, drop the beliefs and the identification with things that create a perception of danger, then you move almost instantaneously into a better experience, a more joyful experience, a compassionate experience. There is no such thing, and it says over and over again in this teaching, you do not have to go through a Garden of Gethsemane experience. You do not have to sweat blood. The experience that you have that is so difficult is created by the fact that you don't just breathe and stay open. Mm. You know, I just, I, I just, I just flashed on this. I got to share this, and 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 these people are completely unidentified. But there have been at least two different times out of the four or five times I've been down to Heartland. At least two different times when we did still point breathing, there were mm-hmm. people that laid there and screamed and cried and they were spasming in their bodies and there's an insanity there it was happening because they didn't want to just soften and breathe they didn't want to see what was bubbling up they didn't want to face their childhood traumas or their you know early adulthood traumas and how do I know that that's what was happening? Because they made it through to the other side and that's what they reported. Sometimes in those experiences, it went on for 45 minutes or an hour and a half. Everybody else had moved on and was making lunch and these people were laying there (laughs) crying, sobbing, shaking, talking through the crying, I can't do this. And an hour or two later, you wouldn't know that those people had any trauma at all. They were Mm. laughing, joking, having lunch. And when they did the processing, when they did the debriefing afterwards, it was, there was something they didn't want to look at. This is why Michael Rice calls willingness the cosmic grease. Mm the more willing I am to turn and face whatever's coming up and breathe and soften, the less discomfort I feel as it moves out of me. I'm not here to tell you, oh, it's it's a breeze, you won't feel anything, because Michael Rice and his naturopathic training and his other spiritual training tells him, you know, if it, if it hurt going in, it's going to hurt coming out. Okay, perhaps, but it's also a fact of as willing as I can be, I'm going to decrease the discomfort and the duration of the discomfort. And the more unwilling I am, the more I tighten and tense, the more discomfort there is and the more I drag it out. Oh, boy, this is so good. <laughs> yeah, okay, good. I think the part you were referring to was, you know, um, let no moment be wasted. See nothing as ordinary. 
and don't see the perceptions that have been taught to you by the, the world as being justified within yourself. But be completely committed to rooting up and out of your being anything that is unlike the love of Christ. Don't mm-hmm. think that I, Yeshua, am the only one that can love this way. It's not true. You are here mm-hmm. to love as I learned to love. Why? Because you are that love. Everything else is just a smokescreen. Is that the part you were referring to or the next part? Yeah. It, no, that's a good. I don't know where it was, but you made this point, and I suddenly realized that I got this idea in my head that in order to get there, I'm going to have to go through incredible machinations, and Jesus did too. Well, none of that is necessary. Well, and so we none of that, right? And and let not seriousness yeah. enter the mind, right? There it is. Yeah. You're going to be very serious if you're thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have to go sweat blood in the Garden of Gethsemane before I get through this. I'm going to have to be crucified up yeah. on the cross. That's pretty serious, right? Mm-hmm. That, that means your your mind is spinning a pretty intense, serious, negative thought. And this work has mm-hmm. already cautioned us, let not seriousness enter the mind. Mm. Well, that was quick. Well, you've pretty much done it. You've taken us down here for the last couple minutes to our two-minute mark. So thank you for raising that question right here at the end. And um, As always, it's great to talk to you. I hope you have a wonderful holiday. If I don't get to talk to you before then, I will mute you so you can listen to the second hour. I'll remind us all that we come from love. We're made of the stuff we call love. We actually are love, and everything else is false. And I'll welcome Jeannie Rice. Thank you, Dr. Tim. And I hope you have a good Thanksgiving tomorrow as well. We've been cooking this morning already. (laughs) All right. Well, you're very welcome and deserving. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving and a great show. Thank you. So welcome, everybody, to the second hour of MindShifters Radio. And today is Wednesday, November the 22nd, 2023. And our call-in number is 563-999-3581. And press 1, and that puts you in the queue to talk to us. And we would love to hear your comments and questions because that makes this your show. And we'll give Michael a moment to get dialed in. He's actually downstairs cutting up onions. <laughs> We've, uh, we're getting together tomorrow at um, my daughter-in-law's house and um, my stepson's wife's grandfather, actually, at his house. And... Uh, Everybody's bringing different dishes, and so Michael and I have been busy doing homemade pumpkin pies, and and uh, he's in charge of the gravy, and <laughs> then we've got baked beans and different things going on. So we're doing most of the cooking today so that after the radio show tomorrow that we can uh, take off and go to his house. Hope that everybody's, uh, if you've got plans to get with family, <clears throat> breathe because you know, family is the closest, and they are easy. They can eat. Excuse me, I'm going to cough here. Let me mute myself. Me there, I didn't want to cough in your ear. 
So um, we uh, hope that everybody that will call in tomorrow will have their um, gratitude to pass on, to share with us, because that's what we're going to share, is what we're grateful for. And we have so much to be grateful for. Actually, the exercise program that I'm doing uh, in the mornings on the treadmill, the guy, it's, he calls it a gratitude walk. And he talks about being grateful for so many things. And that if we just change our mind, I mean, it's, part of it almost sounds like he's done this work because he says, you know, you can look at an opportunity instead of letting it bring up your frustration that it is an opportunity to grow and to to look inside, to look at it differently. And, you know, we talk about being the observer and sitting back and seeing what's going on instead of feeling like you're part of it. And, you know, you may physically, yes, be part of it, but the way that you respond, you know, we talk about responsibility and that's if you break that down, it's able to respond, not that you're at fault or to blame for anything that happens, but that you are responsible for how you respond to it. And, you know, you can bring love to any situation and change the whole situation. And that's what we hope that you'll do tomorrow when you're with family. And, you know, maybe without them even knowing it, you can do a love exchange with them. You can just send love in their direction. And we just hope that everybody has an awesome time and that you realize what you're thankful for. And we do have so much, you know, even if it's uh, that you're above ground one more day and you have the opportunity to watch another sunrise and sunset and to breathe. And I go back to the conference. We've mentioned it a lot of times that I went to. And it was a Jewish man, and he was talking about the name of God is not pronounceable in their language, that it's actually just like the breath. like. And so when it talks about that, you know, when God created man and he breathed into him the breath of life, every breath you take, you're actually speaking God's name. And so think about that, you know, and that you um, and be grateful that you can continue to speak his name. And whether people know what you're doing or not, your attitude and your countenance will send out the energy of love and caring and being the space for anything that comes up for somebody else. We were with Aria the other day. I think I might have mentioned this. In her Christmas play, they are going to be singing the song Hallelujah. And she doesn't know all the verses that her music teacher and asked her if she would tell me because the song Hallelujah has got like 120 verses to it. And I said, which ones are you going to sing? Because we're going to have her for three full days next week. And I said, you know, we'll practice with her. But she's found her voice. She can actually hold a tune and sing and, and her little facial expressions when she's singing Hallelujah. It's just precious. You know, and I'm thankful that we get to spend that time with her. You know, we have her two to three days a week. But next week, her mom and dad are both going to be down on the farm um, hunting, which is a kind of a Thanksgiving tradition in their family. Uh, it fills up freezers. You know, we Michael and I don't eat meat, and we don't participate in the killing, but it's not just a sport, and it's on our family farm. 
you know, they bring in the fresh meat and, and prepare it and everything else. So it's, it's you know, an awesome gift that actually my dad gave to Ryan. And Ryan's passed it on to his half-brothers and taught them how to, you know, do the field dress and, and everything. And so, you know, you may say, oh, that's a gross conversation to be having here. But for that they can put food on their table, you know, they do eat meat. And that's a cleaner meat than half of the, you know, the, the cattle that's raised in these farms. And awful situations and the animals that are pumped with antibiotics and everything. So they, it is a cleaner meat. So if they're going to eat that, then it is absolutely, you know, a good way for them to go. So anyway, they're both going to be doing that together for three days. And so we get Aria. She'll be back in school, but... We'll have her at night, and then we'll be taking her to school each morning and picking her up in the afternoon, taking her to ballet and and uh, gymnastics, and, you know, she's got a full life. And so she keeps us hopping, and we are thankful that we're able to keep up with her. At five years old, she's got more energy than, I don't even remember having that much energy, but she is definitely a blessing. So have your gratitudes if you're going to call in tomorrow ready to share. If you're not calling in tomorrow, perhaps you'll share them today, and that would be awesome. Um, what we plan on doing is, you know, we're going to open the show with gratitude tomorrow and share our part, and then if anybody has something to share back. And if nobody has any questions, we are going to cut it short tomorrow. So, you know, be ready to call in and participate. Ask your questions. If you're having a challenge in getting together with family and you need some support in that, you know, that's what this show's here for, is to support you in whatever area you need. And uh, we appreciate you being here, appreciate you being part of this work. And so Michael just came back upstairs, so he'll be dialing in here in just one second. And I'm going to go ahead and... Susan's hand, I think, is left over from Dr. Tim, but I'm going to go ahead and turn on the microphone and say, hello, how are you today? Hey. Hey. I, I'm fine. I'm sitting here thinking, what am I grateful for? I'm, I'll tell you today because I might not be on the radio show tomorrow. My sister and my husband and I are going to a diner. I don't have to cook, and I don't have to ah. wash the dishes. <laughs> you know, because my mom did that the last, probably the last four years. Um, she would say, I'm going to just take everybody out to eat. And it was usually at Cracker Barrel because there's some places oh, that are not open on the holiday. But we did that a lot. Um, oh, but Carlinda, yeah. my daughter-in-law, her grandfather just moved from, I think he was up in New Jersey, and he moved down here, and he's just—he's got a house just about two blocks from us, and it's got more space and everything, and it's all one level, so it's easy for him, and and so we're all gathering at his house tomorrow. So, oh, that's great. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. My son and his wife and boys are converging in Texas with her family, so my sister, who lives four miles away and is single, we're just gonna do that. So I could. We're meeting at 11 for dinner, which is, you know, an old that's people's a, time. But you didn't <laughs> have to brunch. have a reservation. And I'm doing sort of an intermittent fasting thing, so I just won't eat until then. And it'll be right. great. <laughs> so Awesome. Yeah, yeah Michael and yeah. I have kind of done that. We've, for two days, um, 
we just had lemon water, cayenne pepper in the morning, and then we had a smoothie in the evening. And this mm-hmm. morning we had a grapefruit, so I'm not sure if we're going to fast the remainder of today or if we're going to eat, because tomorrow we'll, we'll definitely be eating. <laughs> oh, boy. Yep, it's true. Oh, man. It would not be good to fast today. And then just full out <laughs> eat tomorrow. We we have to do oh, some, that's probably, some yeah. judicious eating. <laughs> yep, judicious eating. That's good. <clears throat> so how are you, young lady? Great. I've been um, thinking so much about Aramaicisms, and I finally compiled a bunch of adjectives which Dale Allen Hoffman and you put together through different I couldn't tell you which MP3 files they were, but right. he he says, and you're doing this with your teaching of the tool. Your tool was built on this. Okay. I love it. He says, forgiveness in Aramaic means there are many meanings, but one is remove the root of my suffering, drop it, cancel it, unravel it, walk away from it, Let me take responsibility for the thing that's actually causing my suffering and upset and remove it from the system by taking a deep breath and canceling what it is I was seeking in the moment. That's just part of it. Isn't that the most delicious pile of Right on track. That's it. Have you ever listened to the two chapters that we have read? Uh, they're an MP3 file on the website of the book, The End of Suffering. Mm, I don't know if I have or not. I might have. I couldn't tell you. Okay. Well, well you might want to just jump on and look and look under uh, uh, audio tracks. I'm sure Gene's mm-hmm. probably already finding the link for it. And, you know, it's a book that I started. I shared, I think it was last week, how that book started. We were doing a Laws of Living class, and the import of the words that followed Yeshua's recitation of what the first law was, where he mm-hmm. says, have rachma for the creator, for neighbor, in order to maintain your own human life. And then, mm-hmm. comma, for upon this hangs the law and all its prophets. And that was like, you, know, you shared, I think you were on the show when I shared last week, it was just like a, that one just popped out at me like a balloon. This is mega major. And I think I shared that we ended up uh, going to a church service. One of the uh, ministers of a, a church that was about an hour away from Heartland was there for that Laws of Living class, and she was actually pre-programmed to preach on that particular passage. And... Uh, wow. The, uh, the the particular translation of the Bible that they were using in that church, and I don't remember what it was now, did not have those words in it. That piece was missing. And, you know, to recognize that that first law, having Rachma, is the only way you can properly read and have any comprehension of what the actuality is of what's being said. So upon this, the condition of Rachma in the mind hangs our understanding of everything that's said in the scriptures. And so I started writing on that, and it, uh, it actually, uh, when I was writing it, I, uh, I, had a, I was, you know, doing my own work and, and writing at the same time. And as a result of a worksheet I was doing while I was writing it, I had a memory come up of being about, I don't even know, maybe seven 
and I had really severe, severe debilitating asthma. And I had this memory come of I was in my bedroom, which was right across from the bathroom. I could see the bathroom from my bed. But I was in such a shortage of breath that I couldn't get to the bathroom. Mm. And what that connected in with was, you know, my kid's mind at seven and the suffering that was there. And that's where the title of that book changed to The End of Suffering. And there are two chapters of that that uh, actually this goes back, I'm not even sure what year it was, but 15 or more years ago. And the minister at Unity in Sarasota and I did, he, was, he had come to Heartland a couple times, and, uh, and we did a, an afternoon workshop where we read that book. It's a, it's a dialogue, much as the Why Is This Happening to Me Again is a dialogue between myself and a character. It's a dialogue between Yeshua and me as the character, or a character, mm. and where the character is asking questions of Yeshua. And the end of suffering, it's like that's the whole thrust of his work is to show us how to put an end to that. And, and yet some people doing. think it's a, the whole thrust of it is about some sort of dogma or doctrine or you know, <laughs> religious fantasy. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Right. So you might want to give those that, that a listen. Yeah. Rachma. Put the links in the note for today. Hey, you're amazing, Jeannie. Um, Dale Owen Hoffman said, um, Rachma isn't the breath. It isn't the hot no. air that comes out when you exhale. It is the feminine awareness of breathing, if I got it right. I think you mean Rukka there, not Rachma. Oh, Rukka. Rukka, I never, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ruka. Yeah, okay. That would be Ruka. Sorry. Yeah. No, no sorry needed. Nope. Uh, so I have a question and I I had it for selfish reasons in the last hour. I asked Dr. Tim and he dismantled something very fast. But I, I still want to ask you the question and it's the story that we have about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane wedding blood and I put together my own story that he was preparing to shed whatever vestiges of his unlightened self in order to be the pure Christ on the cross but I also was asking is that what you see it as? Yeah. That's what my take would be that he's gone into directly fully into his genes and opened and cleared, opened fully the veil of the temple. And, you know, it's around that time that they'll talk about the veil of the temple must be rent in twain. He's opening that veil, that barrier into the deepest parts of his own unconscious, which is his genes and cleaning them out. And as a naturopathic physician, when I see that, that, that looks like a very deep level healing crisis of sweating of blood. And that's where the real work was done. Whoa, he took that on. Wow. Well, he took it on. That's the lore, too, that he took on all of our sins, all, all the generations. I never forgot a thought of it that way. <clears throat> I was thinking that I would have to go my, into my, my own garden. I, 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 would, I would just put a caveat in there. When Churchianity's statement, he took on the sins of the world, it's like, you know, now he's carrying this burden and this load and yeah. 
so much of church and he makes that a guilt trip on people for you're responsible for his trauma and my offering is there was no trauma in that whatsoever for him that's the space where he's processed his own uh, genetic anomalies his own energetic thin energies that are off the mark and then he says okay I see the load I see the suffering of the world and I'm willing to ha- I would like to have the privilege of supporting the processing out of all of that energy that humanity has ever engaged in that never belonged within the human system. So for me, my take on that one would be as an awakened spiritual being, Yeshua said, I'm willing to take it on. I'm willing to support the processing of everything that's ever everything unresolved that the world carries to date. But that doesn't necessarily mean he had to sweat blood. Well, no, I think his own right? healing crisis would be the sweating of blood. My take is the sweating of blood would have nothing to do with him saying, I'm willing to accept the privilege and the honor of being able to take on the energy of the world. And now that I can bring pure, conscious, active, present love to it, I will help to process that. To me, that had nothing to do with the sweating of blood. The sweating of blood was his own personal work and cleansing mm-hmm. his own physiology to prepare him to be the instrument capable of doing that, of taking on that energy from the world and supporting the, the healing of that energy. What you know, I in that sense, when, that. You do a, a, when you do your Wednesday support group, and you've got a group and somebody opens something and has no clue how to process it and doesn't know what to do with it, you, in, in the sense we're talking about there, you as the facilitator holding to active present love are taking on the sins of that process that's taking place. You're holding the space. You're being the presence of love for that to happen, and that's not a suffering posture. That's a privileged posture. That would be my take. So what I... I hear all of what you're saying, and Dr. Tim helped me quickly dismantle the fact. My thought is that, okay, if I'm going to do, if I'm going to end up a Christ mind, I have to go through sweating blood somewhere along the line. And Dr. Tim was saying, absolutely not. That is not going to be required. But the way you're speaking, it sounds as if it sort of is, that we need to individually go through this huge healing crisis in order to arrive there. And what I really feel is if that's not going to be necessary. Yeah. Well, I, my, my take would be that one is only going to have to open and deal with whatever's there to the degree that it's there. And, you know, if you know, we, we look at the three-year time period that he was out there doing this work in mass, in, in, mm-hmm. in the mass mind with many, many people, and... To, to dip in to the level he did in that kind of a crisis situation, yeah, that's pretty intense. But I don't think, you know, you've been doing the work for several years. I've been doing, Jeannie's been doing. I don't think it means we're going to have to get to that level, but I think it does mean we're going to have to do that level of work. You know, it, does, it isn't, oh, it has, it, it's, it's an urgency. It has to be done today. Here's the the scenario that's set up. It's a process that mm-hmm. each of us, and one of the requests that I make each time 
I personally go into another level of my own work is I make the request of Ruka that I'd, I'd like support in moving through whatever it is that I'm ready and capable of processing in a reasonable, you know, gentle, healing that's, manner. That's the ticket. Rather than <laughs> I'm the going word. to the, the pits, you know. Yeah. That's the and word. And so I think we have the ability to, you know, extend the process so it doesn't have to become that deep a crisis. But I know that's, I mean, for years, every time I ask, it's like to the level that I'm reasonably able to process this right now. I'm not asking to be bowled over and put in the gutter. <laughs> that's good. Well, maybe it was because time was very short with Jesus. He had that night. I mean, he'd certainly been preparing all three years, I imagine, and well before that. But suddenly it was down to the wire, and he went through whatever was left for him to do so that he could look out over a crowd and see nothing but innocence. And carry out his purpose, which Mm -hmm. in that case, you know, when he steps out of the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter tries to stop it. Mm-hmm. You know, stop! You know we're, we're gonna we're gonna save you from that. She was like, "Get out of the way! That's you're you're interfering with my plan. You're interfering with what I'm here for." And yet Jesus himself tried to chicken out in the garden. Well, I'm not sure he tried to chicken out. He I, my my understanding of his statement there is like I'm not sure I'm ready or capable of doing this at this point. You know, if this cup can pass for me, you know, let it happen. And I hear that as maybe a little bit of unsurety. I'm not sure I'm up to this task right now. And obviously he gets the guidance that he is. You can handle it and okay. and goes mm-hmm. for it. Mm-hmm. That's good. And then okay. steps out in the mm-hmm. first demonstration. Well, the first demonstration is to point out the definition of Satan which is Peter trying to get in the way, thinking in the mind of man, rather than understanding what's really going on. And then when, when the arch enemy, the person who's going to have him mercilessly slaughtered, shows up, offering that man healing rather than doing what the ego mind would do, and that is lash out with punishment and inflicting trauma and pain. Because there's mm-hmm. none of that in him, he just mm-hmm. stands as the space of love with the man who's going to have him mercilessly slaughtered. Mm. Hopefully, the day of needing to be mercilessly, mercilessly slaughtered for the work is is finished. That you know we've, we've got enough of the critical mass happening that that day has passed. That's what I hold for your oh, sake boy, and I mine. <laughs> yeah, right. No kidding. Oh. <clears throat> and can I add something? Please. Yeah, genie. In Matthew, where he was telling his disciples, you know, that he was going to die before he could raise again, um, and he was asking, you know, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Mm -hmm. And that meaning, you know, they were expecting, right, and they were thinking, you know, oh, he's going to be become king of earth and and all that, and they wanted to be his nobles or. But what he was telling them is they had to take up their cross and they had to die to self to sacrifice their own 
personal ambitions, dreams, expectations, or whatever. Um, and their cross might be self-denial and self-surrender. You know, it's totally different than the physical cross that he was taking up. My my take there, Jeannie, would that be that they don't, he wasn't asking to give up their ambitions or their dreams or their hopes or whatever. I think what he's saying is fulfill your purpose, which would be the ultimate of dreams and hopes. And if you have something less than that, if you have something that's based in suffering, then you're going to have to take that up and deal with it. Mm-hmm. And if, if, if we're on purpose, I don't think the Creator asks any us to sacrifice anything. Sacrifice is, is an old game from the old world of the earth religions and, and people who thought, you know, uh, some vicious Creator in the sky wanted blood per, for, uh, to make him happy. And, uh, you know, in the scriptures they were very clear, I, don't, I, don't want, I can't stand the smell of the blood of your bulls. And I don't think he's asking to give up the truth of who we are and our purpose, but he's asking us to be on purpose and give up anything that doesn't support that. Everything based in rage and guilt and grief and fear and pain and trauma and drama. You have these amazing long lists of awful things, Michael. You can just bring them out there. <laughs> oh, I could add a few if you'd like. <laughs> it's not my whole list. <laughs> Sounds long enough to me. Woo. So does that get to the kind of the core of the question you were asking? Or at least open the space for for your uh, guidance to come in for Ruka Dukucha to teach you what it is that, uh, you know, one of the, the biggest pieces of the puzzle to me that I hear that sadly has been turned backward for most people is that, Truth is an equal access employer. Truth is available. The highest levels of teaching are available to any human being mm-hmm. that is willing to trust Ruka. She, you know, by, by definition, Ruka de Kutcha, what the Greeks called the Holy Spirit, she who undoes the effects of errors and teaches us the truth. Anybody who's open to that has equal access to truth. The mm-hmm. big challenge is, you know, uh, who was it that said we had to get our bloated nothingness out of the way? That bloated <laughs> self that, you know, that hasn't been resolved, hasn't been dealt with. And, and to me, that's what Yeshua did in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, you know, most everyone's bloated nothingness is made of quite a bit of trauma. And it has to get mm. out of the way. And once that's out of the way, every one of us, the, the one who will ultimately teach each and every one of us, is inside of us. Mm. waiting for us to be in the space of willingness. And, you know, when, when I hear that passage where they ask Yeshua what's most important in the law and recognizing that the word law is not, as the Greeks would tell us, the rule of a superior, but rather that law is simply how it works. And so the question I hear them asking Yeshua is, you know, how does it work to be a fully human being? And he says, first order of business, you've got to have rachma, you got to have this mm-hmm. gateway that op- is open and active to bring love into your physiology when you think of the creator and when you think of neighbor. And neighbor means anybody that you think about. And then the second half of that passage is upon this, in, and you know, this would be the long form of it, on this, 
upon this in Michael's mind or Susan's mind or Jeannie's mind or Harry's mind or Hortense's mind, upon this condition in our mind hangs the ability to have communicated to us everything that the law and the prophets were trying to offer. That ultimately, if, if a question comes, and you've heard me say many times on the show, you know, questions are the most important thing. And if any one of us can get our bloated nothingness out of the way and come up with the right question, then there's a power in us that through resonance, plop, gives us the answer. You know, Einstein uh, was once asked what, what he would do if he were given a problem to solve and, uh, and a, a, if he didn't solve it in an hour, he would, be, he would die. And they asked him what he would do, and he said he'd spend the first 55 minutes determining what the right question is, and then he'd solve the problem in five minutes. I thought and you so were going to say he'd spend, he'd spend 55 minutes getting rid of his bloated nothingness and then be open enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would probably kind of fit. That would probably kind of fit. But if, if there's nothing in us, you know, the, the one place where intuition and guidance doesn't work worth a darn, darn is where we have unresolved hostility and fear-based constructs in our mind. So we ask a question, and if the mind has something based in hostility or fear that resonates, then that hostility and fear is going to at least distort the answer, if not totally replace the true answer. If we can get that hostility and fear bloated nothingness out of the way, then there's a power in us that will deliver the answer to every question we have. And we all have equal access to that. Mm, So nice. And Yeshua, obviously... You know, while Churchianity wants to make him the end-all, the be-all, and he never sinned and he never had anything to deal with, that's not what he says. He's very clear when they call him perfect. He says, why do you call me perfect? None of us is only that one that is within us that I'm trying to connect you to. And if you deny Mm. me, that's okay. Deny me, but don't deny that because that's the source Mm. of truth. That's where your healing and your teaching will come from. Mm. So rather than attach us to some external teacher, including him, his thing was to connect us to the same teacher that he had, which was Rukutukucha within. And we're all designed to have absolutely equal access to that, even though we've had it pounded into our heads that we're worthless sinners and, you know... all the garbage that goes with the misinterpretation and misunderstanding. Mm. So think of uh, the, the galactic database that has all understanding and all knowledge of all times and all spaces in the creation lies within us. And if our bloated nothingness isn't in the way, it will explain anything that we're ready to hear. Mm. But if we have an unresolved issue and we ask a question around that issue, then the energy that's unresolved in us will tend to block that answer until 
we forgive it. When, you know, the instant I recognize, oh, there's some form of hostility or fear in me, I, I need to be about removing that in order to ha- be the clear channel to bring in whatever it is that I'm, the answers that I'm asking for. Yeah, I feel that's the truth of that so much now. <clears throat> And the the bloated nothingness shows itself in all kinds of ways. Well, I know better than anybody else, or I I don't I'm not capable of anything. I'm such a doomcuff. You know, I'm so helpless and hopeless and broken, as my power person mm-hmm. told me I was. They're the things that get mm-hmm. in the way, and right. therefore are to be forgiven. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's funny that you're using the word bloated on the day before Thanksgiving. I hope there's no confusion (laughs) with the bloating that's going to happen after we stuff ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) Self-control. The healing of gluttony. (laughs) um, I have a funny... Thing that happened in our support group today. It isn't funny. It's gorgeous, and I missed it. I probably wasn't looking at my screen, or if I was, I didn't have the eyes to see. But the man who, the older man who talks about being in the presence, he's, he's right. like an ecstatic. He's an amazing guy. He said, did anyone else see hearts coming out of Tim Bingham's chest? Well, just a few moments ago, did anybody see that or is it, am I just seeing a hallucination? And another woman spoke up who is also this amazing soul. She said, I saw it and she described it. And then he said, exactly, that's what I saw too. Mm. And I, I didn't see it and the others didn't see it. Uh and so, of course, I started beating up myself, thinking I'm not pure enough to see it and all that stuff. All that needs worksheets. But on the other hand, I yep. just think it's an amazing thing that that happened. And I don't know where to put it in my categories. <laughs> um, it's quite wonderful. Sounds like B- T- Tim Bingham tapping into his holiness. Wholeness, his pure state of being. That's pretty awesome. Congratulations to him. I know. He did a couple of wake-up sheets the other day with Dr. Tim, and it has borne fruit sort of sideways. He isn't doing the wake-up sheets, but he's practicing having a relationship with his four-year-old self Hmm. and finding different ways to interact with him and it's funny, but it's sort of spilling over into our relationship, too. He did a very, very loving thing to Michael. Tim has a back that's not in great shape, pretty good, but he has some muscle tightness. And Michael has serious back trouble. And Michael's been using the Cadillac of desk chairs down in the basement. And yesterday, Tim Bingham said, I'm going to get him to give me that chair. I need that chair. And I said, Tim... You can't take that chair from him. He needs that chair. He said, I need that chair. It's my chair. <laughs> so he, this morning or last night, he yelled down to Michael, Michael, 
I need to come down there and get a chair. Uh, and he went down and get a, a straight-back chair that is also down there. He didn't bring up the fancy chair. And I right. looked at him and I said, you are being such a good boy. And I was picturing <laughs> talking to a four-year-old. And he beamed like a four-year-old. And it's mm-hmm. almost as if the four-year-old psyche has waked up into our presence. And I see him and Kim mm, That's him. awesome. Isn't that That's awesome. Thing? Yeah. It sounds like you should rush right over when we're finished the show and touch the hem of his garment. <laughs> I know. I know. Here's that. And then the hearts are coming out of his chest. I'm thinking, okay, my usual garbage comes up. He's way ahead of me. I'm going to fall back. He won't want to be with me anymore. All that garbage. Ah, I'm looking at it and thinking, chuckle, chuckle, chuckle. Yeah. <laughs> Bloated nothingness pops right up alongside the wonderful stuff. Yeah. But you know what? And just, just for healing, that's all it comes up for. I know. And I remember having a, in this thing, it says, give up the goals, which you've been saying all along. How did, how did the, um, the Dale Allen Hoffman, he said, uh, remove it from the system, remove whatever it was I thought I wanted from the system, one of the goals I've had is to be joyful. And I gave that up. And now joy is finding its way in. Natural. All by itself. Yeah. Yeah. It's a byproduct of doing the stuff. Yep. Doing the work. Well, and, you know, when, when I have a goal that resonates something that's unresolved in me, whatever part of my mind it's in, the key way, the gateway into that which inhibits my joy or happiness or pleasure or delight, whatever it is, that is what allows me to go into that part of my mind and remove that content. Mm. That's how I access the unconscious part of it. You know, where Yeshua, what I hear you saying is you're following the directive of Yeshua who says, take care of the heart. The unconscious for out of it are the issues in life. And the key way into it, the reliable way into it, is just look at whatever the goal is and cancel the goal, mm-hmm. collapsing the, the, the construct that's based in pain, accessing the pained content directly in the presence of love and dissolving it. And then the natural result is like our natural state comes back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the roots are back in the soil where the rose was supposed to keep its roots. The roots are back, established again. Yes, yes. Our natural state—that's what we're designed for. And it doesn't matter if we're getting old. It doesn't matter. None of that stuff matters. Doesn't, age doesn't matter. Nothing. Of course, I'm thinking a lot Irrelevant. about age, approaching yeah. 80. It doesn't, it doesn't matter at all. What a fun age. Yeah. Best yet. 70s and 80s are, according to research, some of the most brilliantly productive years of a person's life. And that's in a culture where people have no idea about the work. 
do mm-hmm. the work in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s and the 100s and the 110 will become even more delicious at each turn. Mm. Give up, forgive the things that we're killing ourselves with, the, capa- the very capacity for any form of hostility or fear, and death is gone. We're not designed to die. It is not in the design. We are designed to heal. Our physiology is designed to regenerate. And we were given control of it. If we decide to put blocks in and stop it, then we can put blocks in and stop it. And we've got a culture that has taught us literally from the womb to the tomb to put those blocks in. Mm -hmm. So remove the blocks and there's nothing left to kill us. And one of the keys to that one is keeping that feminine elemental force called Ruka de Kutcha, the breath, moving within our structure. Mm. That's what either opens or closes the veil of the temple. To move it is to keep the veil open and make everything that's been hidden accessible instead of it having to show up to come and come and bite us in the butt. You know, when they said nothing will remain hidden, everything will be made known in the light of day, they were saying that whatever you're hiding from yourself, you can't keep it hidden because it's going to show up in your world. You're a creator. Mm. It's going to show up. When it shows up, you'll do one of two things. You'll either talk about what's wrong with what's happening out there, or you'll blame one of three things, I guess. You'll talk about what's happening out there and what's wrong with it. You'll blame yourself, or you'll breathe, and you'll forgive, and let that one go. And the next one, and the next one, and the next one. And how many generations have have we been hanging out with that knowledge? Well, I haven't been able to establish the last time it was available on Earth since about uh, the year zero or the year one. So there's definitely, you know, a work to be done. Mm. So joining you in that work. The best. It is. It's awesome. What a privilege. What a, you know, to me, one of the byproducts of the work is just more and more, and, you know, the people that I work with, as you're saying, uh, more and more people are like, life is just so precious. You know, to have a human life is like, mm-hmm. Wow. And so many people, you know, they do nothing but they've got something to complain about. And they think the reason they're complaining is outside them and have no idea that it's inside of them. Mm. Because it's all projected. It's all painted on the inside of one's eyeballs where one sees it. And seeing as how it's on the inside of the eyeballs, people think it's actually out there. And it's not... There are results out there that are a result of massive numbers of people holding to the world of trauma. So, yeah, there's lots of trauma out there. But one by one, as we choose to no longer engage, you know, put an end to suffering, then we are on the other side of the equation and become the space that can support the processing that needs to be done. Take on 
not in a suffering way again, but to literally be there for the person who's willing and doesn't have the vitality to do it for themselves, to be there as the support, to be the hem of his garment. Mm. And each of us can be that for the other. If we do our work, if we're mired in our own trauma and drama, no, you know, can't be much help to anybody. All you'll get is negative feedback. All you'll get is power person dynamics, repeated, 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 repeated. And, of course, you point out those power person dynamics to someone, they go nuts and, you know, pile everything up and they want to blame you rather than go, oh, oh, that's something inside of me? Hmm. Oh, I can breathe into that and work through that one. Sweet. Thanks for letting me know. But in denial, the one world religion, members of the one world religion of blame, oh, no, there's always somebody to blame. So it's a, you know, it's a membership card, card that virtually everybody has to give up. So any other thoughts for you today, young lady? Requests for prayers for Jacob. He's gone to Jacksonville, and when his mother picked him up, at midnight this morning, early this morning, she said he was just wonderful, very gentle, appreciative, seemed good. Hmm. So, nice. And he's been warning that there's going to be a lot of drama because he's been angry at an older brother, Lukey, who's doing very well. Right. And he's ready to rip Luke's throat out, cancel his thought. Hmm. Um, but I think it's so far it's going well. But anyway, um, yeah, it's an exciting time. I, Kids are getting together yeah. after a lot of healing. And anyway. Sweet. You know, there might be some value in offering him a little bit of a shocking thought. What? And that is, Jacob, Jacob, what I know is true is you are not and you have never been angry with your brother, Luke. You're just oh angry. Yeah. That's all, Luke. You've got anger. And you can keep living with that anger, or you could take responsibility. Notice you put that anger into your brain's image of me. You put it into your brain's image of your mother. You put it into the brain's image of, of who and where and when and why and how, your dad. And you're just angry. You're an angry kid. So, and, and, and what that means is that you're, you're addicted to the chemistry the anesthetizing chemistry of anger in your physiology in order not to feel what the pain is underneath it. And yeah. when you can let go of that, you'll heal that pain. You'll be finished with it. You'll have no need for it. Just that thought of, I don't believe you're angry with him. You're just angry. And what it, what's the, the underlying pain that you're covering up? You know, you know, my brother doesn't treat me the way I want him to. My brother doesn't confirm my lifestyle. Oh, my brother, you know, whatever the whatever the thousand goals are. Yeah, there's tons of that. <clears throat> so holding a space that, if that conversation's appropriate, that you can have it with him, and he's open to it, and it just opens another whole window of healing for him. You know, if you're the connected space of love while you're sharing that. 
and there's any willingness at all, he's going to just, you know, that this field's just going to open and step into a massive process. Wow. And we'll certainly lend the hem of our garment to that healing. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Michael. Honored and delighted, young lady. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep listening, but I'm gonna get off because Tim Bingham is doing right. something here. Well, okay. tell him we said hello and acknowledge that sweetheart that he's been reflecting into the world. Thank him for us. All right. Okay, I will. Okay. Blessings. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, Miss Jeannie, we've got about yeah, 12 minutes, I think. 11, yeah. 11. So we've got time for another really good conversation if you're out there in listener land. Did any of that interaction resonate anything for you? Anybody that's listening, thoughts, questions, anything to share? Let's uh, let's have a hand go up and say hello. Or maybe even start us off with uh, an early what you're in appreciation of for Thanksgiving, what you're thankful for. You know, it's interesting the uh, the research that's been done in the medical community and in the psychology community that the the healing power of gratitude is enormous. Just by shifting one's mind to gratitude, I think is a, it's another major pathway to healing. So uh, the things that I'm grateful for, I'll maybe start that off with just a little bit of that. The the number one thing that brings gratitude into my world, especially in relationship to, you know, this radio show, is the fact that. This man, Yeshua, 2,000 years ago in the ancient Aramaic language, handed us such a profoundly enormous, powerful set of tools, the how-to of healing that's just beyond comprehension. I mean, it's just beyond comprehension. And so that's one of the biggest gratitudes I have in my life. And then I have this young lady that's on the other end of the control panel who brings such blessings to my life, Jeannie. You are such a gift to me, and I extend my grandest gratitude in your direction for being a part of my life. Thank you. You are welcome and deserving and back at you. I'm thankful for you too. And for each set of ears that's listening, that we get the opportunity every day to have this conversation, to engage your questions and Please, you know, as you're going through your process, if you're doing worksheets, or you, you know, you're doing something, you know, some tools from some totally different teaching, it doesn't matter, but the space opens and questions come, you know, keep a notebook or have a file on your phone that you just pop those questions in and come to the show with questions uh, for discussion. 
because it it opens space for all of us when everybody participates rather than just being a monologue from my point of view or Jeannie's point of view. We'll, in responding to, answering, dialoguing around questions or thoughts, we will bring everything we have in the way of understanding from the last 50 plus years of development of this work. And we invite your participation. If you're listening and you haven't you know, pushed one in a long time, think about it in the next you know, day or two or three or ten. What, what contribution might you make? A question? You got a hand up? An experience you've had? Share it with us. Let's say hello to the caller. It is Belinda, 541. You're on the air. Oh, just a quick quick little response to your asking for a hand up. Um, a couple of things. One, thank you very much for extending that gratitude to Jeannie, which reminds me, ah, I can do that to my sweetie too because I'm mm-hmm. practicing that until it's 100% true in my heart. That, that's how I feel. And um, another thing I, I... We'll hold the space for so, that. Yes, please. I could use all the support I can get to help my, my precious pearl above all price, which is my willingness to shift my, my life energy and align myself with Rahma Rucha and the body that I was given at creation or that I created at creation since the body, according to the way of mastery, which resonates for me, the body is in the mind, not the mind in the body. So thank you, and Dr. Tim, and the way of mastery. And also thank you, uh, Michael, for saying whatever tool you use, whatever tool you use, we're here to support you. And um, as long as it works, that's the important thing. Because I'm I'm gravitating towards blessing the um, the gentle art of blessing approach. Um, Sweet. I'm gravitating. Uh, yeah, I'm so much getting so much um, help from um, Tim Bingham's two worksheets and Dr. Tim's um, response to that, how he helped to support him through those. And the little uh, sharing that Susan gave about these hearts coming out of Tim Bingham's heart. (laughs) This is so sweet. Um, And it doesn't matter whether we see it or not, because that's part of being part of a support group, because all of us have different gifts. And so it's not about, oh, I should have seen the hearts too, but that just to bask in somebody else's gift without having to compare ourselves for not having it or compare ourselves for having a gift that they don't have. It's sweet. So I wanted to share that. I'm with you. Cool. um, And thank you. And uh, you both are so... uh, Welcome and deserving in many ways, um, and 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 I'm so thankful that you are so deserving in many ways. And uh, by telling you that, I get that gift too. So thank you. Awesome. Well, right turned around back to you. 
and holding the space for growing gratitude as you've envisioned with your wondrous partner. And if there's anything that blocks that to be forgiven in you, I support, I hold the space for it to surface gently and that you just let it go and open another layer of that energy of gratitude. I'm so appreciative of my early um, Christian evangelical background and all of the many forms. I'm so appreciative of going through Echenkar for four or five, maybe ten years. I don't remember how long because I haven't counted it up. Uh, I'm passing through that. And for having the sense of um, uh, this pan-global sense within myself, and then ending up also ending up in the Episcopal Church before I left the Episcopal um, structure of the Episcopal Church, um, wanting to have been a Catholic when I was uh, 12 years old and not being allowed to be. All of those, and being in Catholic school a couple of times uh, in my life for maybe two years or three years, and all of those added up are such a, a sweet progression or a sweet process of coming to realize that we're just, it's, it's like we're little hermit crabs with all of this debris on our backs, and we're just about dropping debris as we go along our little path. It's sweet. And keeping the essential shell, not a shell in the literal sense, but, you know, the essential soul self, and growing in that process. It's so sweet. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense or anything. I always see these silly images. (laughs) Oh, that makes sense. Absolutely. Getting back to my four-year-old child. I'd invite you to maybe give up the thought that those images are silly because what happens when we open intuition is the mind is able to receive communication in many ways that do not fit with rational beliefs. But if rather than giving them a label like silly, you know, even the minor condemnation of it, when we're open, information... Uh, that explains what is beyond the, the possible concepts that humans have formulated to date. Information, when we're open to that, accepting and approving of that, can come to us and open whole reams and realms to us that otherwise are closed down to the mind that it has to be rational the way the world wants it to be. You know, just being open to receiving that information and, you know, images when we do uh, intuitive development intensive, we invite people to allow things to come as colors, as symbols. We actually do a practice of colors, of symbols, uh, a practice of bodies of water to, to give people the opportunity to experience things in ways other than they've been taught to experience them through the senses and the rational mind. And that just opens realms that you know, the average person can't access. So I support you staying with that image, loving it, appreciating it, and having fun with it. Well, I, I'd, love to, I'd love to share you what's in my head, 
what I see, the picture I see when I say silly. Um, I don't have a negative feeling that I'm not as far as I know about silly. For me, silly was having fun. For me, silly was playing in the sandbox and doing silly things or, or being an adult when I was in a 12-step program with another 12-stepper where we got out and we played airplane together on the road in front of my house. That's that's sort of how I see silly. So um, cool. I wanted to share that with you because when I see Sweet. silly, I see little kids having fun. Awesome. But cool. I appreciate well, what I'm you with you said also. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate what you said, too, because I um, to remember that other people have different interpretations for those symbols we call words. So I, I keep that in mind, too. Sweet. Awesome. Well, the, the phone has just spoken in my ear to tell me that we're in the last 10 seconds, so the show is going to cut us off. I'm going to say thank you, everybody, for joining us. Your thoughts, your questions, your answers, your ideas. Have the best year yet of your eternal life. So, Linda, have a blessed day. Take care. Bye-bye.